BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I'll say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast, bringing you news-making interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal each and every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And as I tell you guys every week, all of the interviews you hear on the podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show. That is Trunk Nation. It's heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, on channel 103, Faction Talk, or anytime live or on demand on the SiriusXM app. If you can get SiriusXM, which means you live in the U.S. or Canada, and you are only listening to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny fraction of what I do on the radio on a daily basis. So come on board and join us. And hey, I got an easy way for you to do it. Won't cost you a penny. Sign up for a free three-month trial. No credit card required. All you got to do is go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. That's SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. Get three free months of SiriusXM. Sample and listen to Trunk Nation live or on demand each and every day and get the entire picture of what we're doing. Again, no credit card needed. Sign up and come on board and try it out for three months free. SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. The interviews I have for you this week will start off in my Las Vegas studio a few weeks ago. I went to uh, see one of my favorite bands in the world, Rival Sons. They played the night that uh, we did this interview. This happened earlier in the day prior to their show. So I had not seen the band yet at the time that I did this interview. But uh, I have, of course, since, because after the interview, I drove these guys back to their gig and then went back there later and had my head blown off by this extraordinary band. Uh, you got to see Rival Sons do a headline show if you can. That is the way to see them, an hour and a half, two hours, always changing their set, 100% live, just amazing. And now with eight, soon to be nine records out, really challenging for them to get a set list together 
that uh, everybody's happy with because they've got so many great songs and records now. They were amazing when I saw them at House of Blues a few hours after the interview you're about to hear. But I was very happy when Jay Buchanan and Scott Holiday from the band said they would come by my Vegas place the afternoon before their show and sit in with me. And that's exactly what you're about to hear with those guys in studio. So we'll bring that to you first and we'll tag on the end this week an interview with an up-and-coming artist I like a lot by the name of Aaron Jones. He comes from Seattle, just released his second full-length album, Chronicles of the Kid. Really like what Aaron is doing, and definitely an, a new rock artist to keep an eye open for. So we'll start with Scott and Jay in studio in Vegas as our first interview, and then we'll give you a little bonus on the back end with Aaron Jones calling in to the radio show. Enjoy on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I am joined by Mr. Scott Holliday of Rival Sons. Good to see you, buddy. Good afternoon, Edward. And um, Mr. J. Buchanan. Good to see you. It's good to see you too, man. Where'd you guys come from, man? You came from uh, the Pumpkin Store, right? You're out with pumpkins? We did. We were in uh, Chula Vista, basically San Diego last night and Irvine the night before. So we've, we've been home for a second. Last time I saw you guys was in New York, your own show. And mm. that was at the Palladium, which was awesome. The record, it was the day the record came out. That was the, the day, the eve, the eve of the release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. And That uh, club's weird, though. It feels like a full padded room. The whole room is padded. Did you notice that? Well, it's an old movie theater. Uh-huh. I used to go see movies there. Yeah. And it is also below a Broadway theater. Right. So there is a DB limit for most of the bands that play there where you can, the set front of house guy can only mix so loud because if it's too loud, you will interfere with whatever's going on above in sure. the Broadway theater. So it, I will admit, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a sterile sounding room because And of vice that. versa. The theater can come down into our show. Did you pick up on that? We're playing, we're trying to play Feral Roots and it's, I love a parade. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? Did you really catch that? No, it didn't oh, I, was, uh, <laughs> I thought it was a charming room and a great location to be in the theater district. I was able to go for a run in the park. Yeah. Central Park, and that was really nice. Uh, for us West Coast boys, California boys, it was great to step out after everybody loaded out late, late, late at night, and we're getting ready to get picked up on our bus out in front of the venue, and we walked out, and it's it's just we don't get enough New York evening time. Like a real out. time square. Yeah, we're on Times Square, and we're like, wow, it's like this is a thing. We don't spend a lot of time here in the evening, and it's yeah. just all that light you and, feel like you could you could yeah. be in tokyo or anywhere else but it's like people are buying toys yeah, and ice creams and drunk oh, everywhere and like, buying other more illicit they're things buying other too. things too <laughs> toys and ice creams though is happening those are all code words you, you know what's you know what's interesting is you know i've lived my whole life about 35 miles from times square in new jersey right mm. and you take i take it so for granted yeah. Because my whole life, it's about getting in and out of there around traffic. And even the like when I came to see you guys, like I people tell me all the time, hey, come to a show or playing when I'm like where and they see New York. Nope, ain't happening. Because just for me coming in, even though it's 35 miles, it's, it's pain in the ass. Yeah. tunnels 15, yeah. parking 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, right. It's a nightmare. I'm like that just with L.A. I just don't want to deal. I live at the beach. Well, you, you know? guys are in Orange County. Well, yeah, for us, like or Long Beach and. LA is the same thing for us. You, every movie you watch, television shows, everything, it shows where we live, you right. know, and where we've grown up and where we play shows and like downtown LA and everything. But it's got to be a really big deal 
you know, to to make the venture. Yeah. To go and in and no catch re- a show because it takes time. You got to park the whole yeah. thing. There's no remote comparison from getting into LA to getting into New York, but still, still it is that way. Yeah, it's just crazy. But again, the point being is you take these things for granted when they're in your backyard. Like yeah, of course. Living there my whole life, I've never been to Statue of Liberty. I never what? went up in the World Trade Center when it was there. Yeah. I I've rarely go to a Broadway show, maybe been to one. And so you just, but, but, and I, and every time I walk through Times Square, it's like, I got to get to the next meeting or the studio, wherever yeah. I got to go. So you never take that beat to say, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Like even here, having this place in Vegas for the last couple of years, I find myself now that I have a place here on the, in the burbs, I rarely go into the casinos on the strip. Yeah. Now tonight, you guys are inside Mandalay Bay at the House of Blues and mm-hmm. it's 10 minute ride. It's easy. Mm-hmm. But still, you just like, you find your like little bubble of your community around you, and you start hanging that zone. creatures of habit. Yeah, that's, right. that's kind of like that. Kind of, especially probably more so than ever when a band like you guys spend so much time on the road. When you are home, you probably don't want to leave the house. I would think. Is that accurate? I think that you got to remember once we get home, families, you know, spouses, like all of that stuff. You have to remember that you've been out everywhere. And you've been living the FedEx package lifestyle. Right. You are the package that's constantly in transit. Once you finally get home, you have to remember, like, no, no, we got to stay active. I've been everywhere, but they haven't. Yeah. So you got to, you know, you got to remember to go to the museum, go to the movies, go take take the family out for culture. Yeah. When I'm when I'm home, I hardly ever will ever go to a show because I am do I go to so many shows on the road. Yeah. And part of my life and work is going to shows and I'm constantly running around. So it's like when I'm home it's like very rarely and if the I'll say to the band I'll see you but it probably just won't be New York, New Jersey. It'll be yeah. might yeah. be in Oklahoma or something, you know, but I'll see you cuz I I you know, got it laid out. So um how's it all been going though since uh Dark Fighter came out? Jay, I mean the response to the record. Last I saw you, you guys again the record was coming out that night. Right. Now it's been out a little bit. I know that night you played a good amount of it even yeah. though it hadn't come out. So how's how, how have you felt about the record being out there right now? It's a really interesting, you know, this is our that was our 8th record and we have Lightbringer coming out in October. That's going to be the ninth record. We've gone through it so many times, I, but this one is very interesting because there are two installments that make a larger collection. And so putting out the first half, knowing that there's a, another one coming, it's like we, we talk about it, about having that refractory period in between a June release and, and a late October release. Um, having the opportunity to play these new songs and live this live the identity of who we are right now versus who we've been over the last 15 years. That's been great. Now, in terms of like fan response and and things like that, I think it's, you know, it's all been great. It's been great. Yeah. I mean, people have have received this record. Well, we always, we're always, excuse me, we're always trying to push our own boundaries and be as honest as we can with ourselves about the music. Um, we don't want to alienate listeners and go so far out of what you've heard and what you love about Rival Sons, but we're like evolving so rapidly, you know, that it's we want to make different music. So we never know what's going to happen on each record. And with this one, we stepped into another world. I, th- I think it feels for us like we, we we're pushing out somewhere. Are people going to like this? Are people going to hate this? We don't really know. It's not that we don't care, but we really we have to serve ourselves first. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we've ever, and we've never been the type of band where 
to, to look at the art and, and feel like we're making a product for consumers. That's never been the case for us. When we get in there, it's just, it's about distilling the identity of who we are at that moment. Yeah. You know, and this is no different. And I know a lot of, you know, everybody goes about it in a different way when it comes to creating art and making records and all of that, or even just the way they approach their shows. But for us, it's always been about serving ourselves first. And I think that anyone in our fan base who's followed us, you know, through the years knows that about us. And so I, I feel like these, you know, Dark Fighter was very much in step with uh, that ethos, just making making music that suits who we are. Right Gosh, now. I mean, for uh, for our heroes too. That's that's how it's been. For, that's the relationship. Yeah. Like when I'm looking at my favorite artists, my favorite records, I'm I'm jumping on their train. I, I, they're not tailoring a record to to me or right. to, to us. We're jumping on what they're they're telling us the story. They're they're the music. I makers. mean that, and that's probably. I mean, there's so much that for me as a lifelong rock fan connects, and and makes me such a passionate fan of your band. And that is an element of it. Is is the dynamics in every record, the different journey every record's going to take you on, and uh, you know, it's the fact that it's just so real and it's so honest, it's so great and. It's very rare, like for, you know, I know I truly love a band when I'm getting ready to see them and I can't wait to hear how many new songs they play from the new record. Mm -hmm. Most people go to a show and it's just like, oh shit, here comes the new stuff. I go to the bathroom and get, you know, <laughs> get a beer, you know, you, I, I, I mean, being going to shows my whole life and you've seen it too. I mean, you see it in the audience a lot of times. I don't, when I went to see you guys in New York, the record hadn't even been out yet beyond the singles. It was mm. coming out that night. And people were all in, at least I'm... When I go see you guys, I got to be right on the floor, right in it, right? And I'm out there. I'm not like in any balcony or VIP. I'm, I need to be in it. And everyone was full on into those songs mm. you did that night. And I think that's a... It's not only really a great testament about your fans, but the fact that they're open to going along with whatever that journey you're going to take them on is and the, the, and the, the strength of the songs, yeah. you know? Yeah. But that being said, you are also now getting into an, a, a bit of a problem, which is a good problem to have. You mentioned eight records, ninth coming very soon. You got to do a set list that's going to kind of we're touch gonna, on a little everything, right? We're going to play two songs on each record, guys. So pick your favorite two songs on each Is that record. what you're doing? No, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. We, You know what? We're really just... Uh, keeping it real like you know we're dipping like with the pump with the smashing pumpkin store we're on right now it's an opening slot so it's um we're doing really interesting stuff like dipping way back into the catalog we'll play manifest destiny or we'll play tied up or we'll play uh gosh like this is bell star like these deeper cuts off our old records that people don't generally hear because we're just kind of testing our moxie as a band like let's play some deep cuts and see how these work we know these other ones that people know they work we know like the electric band do your worst keep on swinging these songs they work you know but let's see if these deep cuts work too and we're finding that not only do they work they kind of almost work better maybe it's how we're playing it i don't i don't know but that's an interesting environment to pick to do that yeah opening for a bigger band like smashing pumpkins where most artists would go into that saying hey let me give them pressure and time into electric man into you know feral roots into whatever going with the most streamed biggest songs in that 40 you're going the other way well you have to look at it i, I think that there are there are different ways to approach putting a set list together. But I think that at some point, being first of three, especially, 
those points, uh, you realize that expectations or expectations versus perceived expectations versus your what you would really like to do. All of those things, you realize that they're arbitrary altogether. You know, like, are you going to make a greatest hits set uh, based on what you think people are going to want to hear? And then if you do that based on what you think that people who aren't aware of us, what they're going to want to hear, like, you don't know. So just putting a set list together, what do we feel like playing right now? So we're a great band and they're just going to, the people that are trickling in are going to watch a band enjoying themselves. And I feel like that isn't, that's more infectious than serving up the hits. So here, who, who's the middle band? You said you're, you're it's first been, on. It's been Stone Temple Pilots. So so you guys, STP, Pumpkins mm-hmm. is the order right now. Yeah. And now no, well, when we come forward. back, it'll be uh, Interpol. When we yeah, start Interpol's going to be playing. And they're in the middle yeah. as well. So you, so how long on, on the Pumpkins dates you're doing 40? Do you have 40? 45. 45. 45. All right. All right. It's yeah. still not the... What are we getting tonight here in Vegas on the headline set? Oh, oh yeah, a much longer show. Uh, so yeah, I'm much old. longer. Three yeah. and a half hours. Yeah, yeah I'm all in. <laughs> Let me take my edible right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be... Uh, we'll play, we'll all play you can an eat. hour and a half or something tonight. We'll play a lot of songs. Now, here you go, are coming off of Pumpkins. This is a, a, a headline date on, on the routing. And talking about the set list, have you guys already, for tonight sat down and written it or when does that process happen do you, or is that an hour before like and and are you guys at a point now where pretty much anything that like if i call out like hey i want to hear all over the road tonight and you're like yeah we can do it like are you rehearsed on just about everything or do you have a pool of songs that you're like okay we're rehearsed enough on these to do it uh we're 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 basically able to pull things out if we just can touch up on some of the older ones with with eight records we might have to Let's just run through, not even as a band. Let me just grab a guitar and let us just individually just get back into that song. Okay, we're good, and we can do it. And you, you got we, we have to let our techs know what we're doing so they can have the right guitars <laughs> set up on deck. You this know? band, I use a lot of different yeah. tunings, uh, so you'll see a lot of guitars come out at night. It's not, not only because I'm a... a it's not just guitar porn. It's the actually a necessity. There's different different tunings and capos and things half a step up, half a step down, and we try to keep it pretty accurate. So I got a friend of mine who has a who manages an, a great guitar, custom guitar, vintage, whatever, like really cool high end guitar shop in McKinney, Texas. Uh-huh. His name's Brian Meter. The place is called Guitar Sanctuary. If you're ever through that area, yeah, yeah we're going to be up. We're him. playing Dallas like next week. Yeah, you got to go see this store, okay. right? But Brian, you know, I, I love guitar, but I don't play. Yeah. But Brian is all in and knows all this. So Brian sent me a link of something you did, Scott, yeah. about the Scott Holiday rig rundown or whatever. And the guy's <laughs> talking to you and your pedals and your guitars and this and that. And he sends it to me. He goes, yeah, I know you're a big fan of Rival Sons. You might want to check this out. And I got to be honest, in about five minutes I checked out of it because I'm like, this is way too nerdy <laughs> yeah. for me, man. It's like, I'm using the 22-gauge cable with this string and this pedal is going into feeding it. And I'm like, uh, you know, I love this guy, but I, it's more than I need to That's, know. <laughs> those rundowns are for a specific type of person. I'm thinking as much. I'm like, I watch those with people sometimes for fun, and I'm, I'm, it's rapt attention. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Oh, you do that? Oh, okay. So the people watching it are probably those people. It's but, not for you. But I know. But <laughs> but that being said, I mean, 
whatever the process is to get there, your guitar sound is freaking legendary. It's so cool and it's so huge and it's awesome. So how's the pipes holding up, Jay? I'm playing 45 minutes tonight. So you're rested. Yeah. You're just getting warmed up at 45 normally. I am, yeah. For the most part, uh, on tour, it takes a while. There's like different stages. By the end of the tour, I'm really in fighting shape. That's when my voice really comes together. Is that right? Because yeah. I would think as you went on, you'd get tired, fatigued. You get stronger as you go. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, there's only a couple of things that will really set me back. You know, like pollen. You know, if it's if it's during uh, a season uh, where you're dealing with a lot of histamines and all of that stuff, that'll get me. Or if I catch a cold, it always sets me back. Never in my life. It takes me a while to recover from that. Never in my life have I known a voice more like uh, uh, Rocky Balboa. This is Jay's voice. It's he's a Rocky Balboa voice. It's like he he takes the beating. He oh he's almost down. He's it's over. The voice is completely gone. And then it's that last round of full triumph, you know. So when he breaks through that like beat down, that's where the voice sounds like the most triumphant. I noticed that a little bit at the last show in New York. Like you, you seem to like you got stronger as it went on, mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're. It's almost like you're like. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's like a you're blowing stuff out. Or you're just yeah, getting yeah. it like it's blowing out the lines. It's, 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 it's like the best way I could describe it. It's almost like somebody just like, just opened it up even more as remarkable as it is. It's like, it Unclogging feels that the way. pipes. Yeah. 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 I think that it's, uh, this is my rig rundown. <laughs> Let's <laughs> I go. Think, I think that for me, uh, it's, it's, you never know exactly what you're going to get or for me. I don't know exactly where my voice is going to be. And I think that, because it's physiology it's not like i'm not pressing buttons or it's not the circuitry is always going to be a little bit different for me and once i know where my voice is then it's it's tempering and and using working within those parameters like oh tonight that's not that part of my range isn't so strong so then it's negotiating and massaging and singing in a in a particular way that's going to suit uh, my capabilities. And I think that that takes a while. And then that's why toward the end of the show, it's the compensating and everything has been like the things are calibrated and then I'm able to just sing. Are you a big warm up, warm down guy? Or are you one of those guys just walks out and does it? I warm up. Uh, I began warming up, you know, in this, in the last two years, you know, and um, you never did before. no, See, that blows my mind. In all my decades of interviewing singers, I will talk to some of the most legendary singers and they will tell me like there's a two hour warm up and a two hour warm down. And then other guys will tell me, nah, I just fucking walk out and do it. Ronnie James Deal was like that. That's amazing. Ronnie, I would sit with Ronnie in his. I'll never forget this. When the last time he was in Sabbath, 06, Madison Square Garden, just me and him sitting in his dressing room and the. The guy comes in, his road guy, and says, Ronnie, uh, 15 minutes to, to show. And I said to Ronnie, go, let me get out of here. Let me get ready. And he goes, get ready how? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I go, don't you? He goes, no. He goes, he always called me kid. He's like, come on, kid, come to the stage with me. Walked down the stage, took a microphone. Go into Neon Nights. Oh, no. And I'm like, what 
the fuck? Yeah. Like he'd maybe take a little puff of a joint, maybe take a little shot of whiskey and just go out and do it. Well, with the voice And then after the show, he's too. right there. Like he's like, it's not like, oh, I need an hour before I can see anybody. I got to do this and that. He just like opened the door and pick up where, right where we left off. And yeah. this was when he was in his like mid 60s. It's wild. There, there, there's a, you know, I am the, I'm the type that when I'm approaching the show, and maybe some people aren't going to want to hear this, but like, I'm there for me. I'm not there for you. I, that's not my game. My job is when we hit the stage, my job is to be myself. My job isn't to meet your expectations. I'm not thinking about meeting your expectations. Headline I don't, for this interview. I don't. Right? <laughs> sons doesn't care about you. Yeah, they like, don't care about the, if you like their music, their yeah, records, like, yeah. if you like I'm, Jay's voice, Rival if you like Scott's says, guitar sound. <laughs> Rival Son says, fuck everyone. Yeah, go fuck yeah. yourself. I, yeah. So for me, I'm not there, for, I'm not there to, to meet your expectations of what you want to hear, how I look, what song. I don't, I don't care. I'm there to sing for me and to prove my metal to myself. But again, and to be falls, as authentic as possible and to support him. Yeah, that, it know, falls into that same the category. The people we go watch and love, I hope to God that's what they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want I don't want some people pleasing heroes. I want these people that are like, I'm watching their thing. That's what's cool. They're doing it for them. I'm like, I want to, yes. I want to step into their world. Yes. So although this might sound, what Jay's saying might sound a little like, go fuck yourself. It's not. It's right. just no. this is of the relationship yeah. we all have with our, with our in anybody that we watch in in any type of entertainment. We're watching them do their thing, especially our writers, uh, painters, musicians, any of that. We're stepping in yes. their world, and that we very much are like you. You almost have to. Remind yourself in a way about that because it could be really easy to slip into a people pleasing world, you know, like, oh, I don't know if people are going to like this. I don't know if we should play this tonight because people might not like it. But at the end of the day, it, it's not fuck everyone. But it is a little bit fuck everyone. Well, okay, look. <laughs> because then if we are, we're There's happy. Scott Holiday yeah. comment. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I learned that, that from Jay. I learned that from Jay. Um, <laughs> But it's not. I totally it's, get what you're saying, yeah, it's and it's not. not really, it doesn't come off like that. To we you. love our fans. Right. I better course. say that right now. <laughs> of course we do. But to to maybe put it in in another way, um, people show up, spectators show up, but in the end, I'm the guy that's got to. I'm walking up to the stage, and I got to lift that heavy hammer, and I got to break those rocks. You're just there. Do you do you pick up? I mean, you know. You know, I must have said it a, a billion times, but I've talked to so many people that I know and love and who are amazing singers in their own right, uh, whether it be a guy like Glenn Hughes, who I just talked to the other day, oh, or he's many, fantastic. many Glenn's other people so who are great. incredible. He's great. And they all say when I met and I say it as well, when I mention you and I mentioned J.B. Ken- Miles, you know, I talked to Miles Kennedy on the phone. He's like, you know, they all say, you know, J.B. Ken's the best singer out there right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, they do. I mean, that's I, and I feel that way as well. But, but regardless, do you, you know, that's kind of out there. You know that what this band is about is the songs, is the, the whole, the whole group, the chemistry of the whole band, and of course you and Scott and everything that goes on, the records, everything. But there's people that are coming there every night too that maybe haven't heard everything about Rival Sons, and they're like, 
well, I got to hear this guy that everybody's talking about. Does that does that get in your head at all ever? Does that create any ex- additional pressure for you ever? No, not at all. No, you know. No, about well, that's not real. That's not real. That you know, that's something that exists outside my purview. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not who I am. That doesn't have anything to do with me. Right. And what I think about, you know, I'm like I said, I'm the guy up there with the hammer, and I, my job is to break those rocks for those 90 minutes to two hours or whatever and give it everything I have because it might be my last night on stage. It could be the last time I'm ever interfacing with this beautiful, beautiful energy, this beautiful free magic that I've been afforded all of these luxuries and all of this great experience in my life and all of this travel. I get to interface and I get to go and try to earn that gift back. And it's by serving that magic. It's by serving that thing that got me there. I'm trying to earn back the talents that I was given. Mm -hmm. And I have 90 minutes to do it. And everybody that's there, whatever anybody has to say, anybody wants to say something nice, yeah, of course. That's incredible. But I can't wear that. I can't wear that suit, you know? Give me a a minute to vindicate myself, too. Um, Scott's going into damage control mode. You didn't say anything wrong. (laughs) No, no. I'm not really vindicating, but let me just say that uh, I want to clarify on the other side of my statement is that there there is a nightly uh, symbiosm with the audience, within the audience, with three people or with 3,000 or 30,000. There's a symbiosm, and it's very real, and it's very... uh, much part of the show uh and when people ask what are your favorite songs to play or where was your favorite show it really doesn't matter just on the band as much as we are just playing for each other what happens is when we play these songs that we wrote in the studio they turn into something different in the room for us then they turn into something different on the stage for us but they turn into something different every single night with the audiences because of the way they appreciate the way you can feel their energy and uh, especially becoming uh, sober over the last uh, for the last five years uh, and playing shows I can I'm really in touch with how the audience feels and that energy exchange that we're having and the shows end up feeling very much like a group effort in that way that I'm doing my part and the audience is doing their part and we're all creating this energy in the room together so um, there's there's more than one angle on, on what's happening when you go see live music. And I think other people probably share this perspective with me too. There's a symbiosm with, with a band and an audience for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's something about seeing you guys. And first of all, congratulations on five years. I didn't know you were sober for five Thanks. years, but congrats, man. Yeah. Um, but there is something about that. Like I, I've said to even, I, I got a lot of friends coming to the show tonight. And I even said, everybody's like, oh, we're going to get a table in the back. We're going to hang. And go, no, no, I'm not. Not this band. This like I'll do that for other bands. This band, I need to be in it, mm. in the middle of that floor. I want this, and I don't want people talking to me. I don't want chatter. I don't want I I need because it it is that there is this it, not to get overly goofy or dramatic about it, but when I hear you guys play and I hear the songs and the way it comes together live, I just want to be in it. You know, I want to get lost in that ninety minutes and block everything out and. uh I think I pick that up a lot with your fans. There is the, a very, very unique connection with the fans and what you guys are bringing them off the stage. It really is. That's nice, man. It's yeah, pretty, pretty special. We're thankful for uh, everybody that shows up, you know, and affords us the, the career that we have. 
Yeah. You know, it makes it easier to to be part of the point five zero zero five percent of musicians on the face of this earth that get to actually do this for a living, that get to make records, that have an audience, you know. I don't forget that. And that's part of that whole earning it back. You speaking know? of speaking of records, <coughs> so uh, Dark Fighter is out now and phenomenal and I, I I love it. I listen to it nonstop. A candidate for album of the year for me for sure. Um Rapture, one of my favorite songs, the star of that video is actually here as well. <laughs> my boy. You should mention Scott. You're, yeah, my son Devendra is here with us, both my, my daughter Nava and my son Devendra are on tour for the next couple weeks, as well as Jay's yeah, daughter, daughter Acacia. Yeah. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, right. it's so cool. So, but but that record is out there. So that's out there now. And you touched on the next one coming. Yeah. And um, you know, Jay was on before giving his thoughts about these two records when 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 Dark Fighter first came out. But but Scott, what can you tell people about the next? Should we view this? It's called Lightbringer, right? Correct. Should we view this as a sequel or a companion to Dark Fighter? Or is it a completely different record that was just made at the same time? Is it you made 16 or 20 songs, you just decided to split them? Like, tell tell me about, from your vantage point, the process of doing this as two separate records. I think we had, uh, when we started, we recorded a big group of songs. We had a part one and a part two in there. We didn't know we were going to release them in two separate bits, but when we spread it all out and lined everything up it was just too much it was too long it's it was too much for one bite and when we talked about it it just felt like it's too much for even like the way i listen to music as much as i love a record i always reference the record like the wall i'm like the biggest pink floyd fan and i love the wall but rarely do i sit down and want to listen to the wall top to bottom maybe if that was part one or part two i would like ram part one all the time and then get to part two but it, it would be easier for me to digest and i think for us with dark fighter and lightbringer this just seemed like the best way let people live with dark fighter these songs are important there's a story in here there's a whole energy in here and and likewise when you get to this there will be it will feel almost like an answer like a sequel to you and um I, I think very much in, in my mind, this is an answer to this record. So if this, if we were sitting here and this was 1976 and we were talking about this, then it would probably be pretty likely that we would see a double rival sons record with these together. I, I still don't think so. That's no, no, because no. It, because the, my point is where I'm going is everyone's attention spans seem so shorter. That's now, correct. And everybody's like, oh, I just want singles or 30 seconds and I move on to the next. Oh, I think you we would have put them a together. physical graffiti of rival sons drop but, into 76. Their people were going long form. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we probably would have put them together. I don't. And here's why. <laughs> because. Uh, forcing a refractory period. We're binge culture. We've always been that way. And having, you know, even having one long form thing, providing context through deprivation, you know, um, it's very important. It's a, it's a, it's a very important trick in storytelling. Um, intermission, breaking it up, like giving you time to reflect. The Dark Fighter album being what it is, it can live on its own. Like the, the, all of those scenarios and the, the questions that you asked Scott just now, like, is it, you know, having 20 songs and needing to break them up? Is it that it just ha it lives on its own? Is it a companion piece? It's actually, I was listening to and each one of those things was, 
actually kind of true. Yeah. Oh, it is that, and it is that, and it's that. But creating two co- two collections to make one larger collection and putting a, a, a four-month refractory period in there, that, that was very intentional in the storytelling, you know, because without breaking them up, the context could be lost, mm. you know, in, in the... Uh, in the two chapters, mm. you know, that make one book, but they're two chapters. When are you going to release the first song from the next record? Because if it's coming in October, here next we are, week? mid-August. Yeah, oh, next really? Week, yeah. Here, let me get it. I got, a, I got it on the Cali right here, dude. It comes out exactly one week from today. So on the 18th, you're going to hear the first single. Uh, do you, can you give the name of the song yet? Can we? You want to give it here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's do uh, it here. It's right. called Sweet Life. Sweet Life. Yeah. And that'll be the lead single one week from today from the second record. Is it, should we be calling this a sequel or no? Is it a sequel? Let's have, Companion? How how we find yes it? And yes Just and another yes. Rival Sons it's record? A, it's no, no, it's, it's definitely, record. I would definitely call it a Companion. Yeah. Is there visual, like the album cover for Dark Fire? Oh, there's is there, a whole visual thing. Is there a thing, thing that connects? Oh, like, big time, see... big time. We're going to get into it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, this is great. <laughs> You're getting into it right now or when right it comes now. out? Check this out. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> he pushed his mic forward. You hear that? I know, I got to lower it. You got to adjust his gain. He got excited. This is deeper voice, I know. Oh, no, I'm excited. No, this is it. <laughs> Jay Buchanan just woke up in Vegas, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> just like the show. Just, yeah, the exactly. He's warming up. This is the third act right now. I only got about 15 minutes left. So Before look, I got to end, Jay. Okay, so <laughs> we once we knew that we were splitting the albums, we had titled them, and okay, how are we going to do this artwork? Uh, AI art was uh, just hitting the scene, and you know, very much into the arts community with uh, uh, painters and everything. A lot of friends that are very serious painters, some of the very best in the world. Um, looking at what AI art was doing and how threatening it was to the arts community and every, the large outcry. Now, this was like nine months ago, right? Ten months ago. We were talking about it, and it was like, ugh. The, the AI uh, bot-generated artwork, you see some of it, and it just makes you sick. So, you know, or that was my initial reaction. Was like, yuck, ooh, you know, kind of feeling that uncanny valley when you look at a robot or it's something that's too lifelike, like, okay, it is art, but it was made, ooh, I don't know if I want to touch this, but we talked about it and there was so much provocation um, surrounding the entire subject. Like, We got to lean into that. We want to lean into this. And so uh, given our feelings, we wanted to, we couldn't make, we didn't want to uh, prompt this AI artwork. So we called uh, a master of his genre, Martin Whitfuth, who had painted Feral Roots, who had painted Hollow Bones before that, our, our two previous records. Um, we, we talked with him. He said, how do you feel about this? You, you go into the machine as a master painter and you, you create the AI for the first album for dark fighter not knowing if he would be Into you know it, as yeah. a as an artist like uh as a as a painter kind of repulsed or offended like mm-hmm. this ai is ever, like, anybody can be an artist now yeah you know the controversy is like a lot of people feel like it's going to put real artists out of business this is one side of the argument that that if people are using ai now all these like mid to high level artists won't have a job because 
video game companies and all these places that need this kind of art can just like pump it out, pump it out by putting prompts in. Um, well, there's concern across the board in, with that. Obviously, there's strike going on in Hollywood right now. And yeah, was, yeah, it gets a lot deeper. In, obviously. In, yeah. this, in this world, in radio, there's concern about it. I mean, if you're not, if you're just doing, if you, you know, we're doing talk radio, so mm. that's kind of hard to recreate. But if you're doing straight music radio, they already just half the, more than half the radio stations in this country don't have a live human being for years working in them because mm. they're tracks. It's a recorded program. So there's concern across the board. And obviously, what's going on in music right now. Um, even the creation of music mm -hmm. is of there's course. concerns about. I it. know. Look, I'll, I'll I'll get back on uh, into the story real quick. Um, so he, as a master painter, giving the the word prompts in order to, for, for for this bot to we create sent him an the image. Record. Yeah, we, we sent, sent him the, the record. record, and that was all. That was it. That's the only thing we didn't. We couldn't. In order for this to be an authentic insta art installation, um, he had to do it all himself. We did. We couldn't be involved. So what he did is he created the Dark Fighter album artwork th completely through AI. And then for Lightbringer, he painted uh, a response to it. So together they make one art installation. So or less than a response. He kind of used the same idea and prompts and had that record as well. I don't see the cover as a response as much as like his take like here's using this tool here's using my facilities like this is kind of you could call it a response yeah but it's, it's, but but that's, that's the idea what you're saying is dark fighter is ai created absolutely and Lightbringer with the same guy is not ai it's oil mm -hmm. so so it's yeah. yin and yang basically it, yeah that's exactly what it is and it's it's for him to be he was looking at ai and everything more as a tool he didn't feel threatened of course but AI, as it applies to art on all fronts, of course it's threatening. Of course it is, but it's here. Yeah, Cortez's yeah. ships are have they've reached the shore, yeah. and <laughs> here we are, the indigenous culture right. going yeah. like, well, what's this going to mean to us? You know, yeah. I don't know, but it's part of our vernacular right now, and so we wanted to use it. Before we run out of time, I got about ten minutes left before I have to end the show. Um, what a, a few people would love to say hello to you. Take okay. a couple quick phone calls. 844-686-5863. Scott Holiday, Jay Buchanan of Rival Sons, live with us on this Friday in studio here in Vegas. Uh, Scott in Arizona is jumping in. Go ahead, Scott. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, very good, man. Hey, Eddie, What's I called question? you a while back. I'm the guy that lives in Phoenix, and I'm driving over for the show for tonight. I got my oh, daughter nice. with me. It'll be her first, first Rival Sons show. Nice. What time are you guys on? Hold on, Scott. What time are you guys on, by the way? 9.15. 9.15. Yeah. Is there an opening act? Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> um, is It's Hannah tonight, right? Is it Hannah? Let me double yeah, check. Yeah, Wicklam. Gosh, I'm so, we're so terrible. So man. opening act, probably 8. You guys are on 9.15? 8.30. 8. Yeah, 8. 7.38. It's Vegas, so it's never early here, but yeah. not too early. I don't know. Get there by 7. Anyway, Scott. Doors at 7.30. Yeah. All right. Scott, what's your question for the guys? My, my question is for Scott. Uh, I saw yeah. you got that new custom 12-string guitar. I was wondering if you were thinking about working up any of the songs that are suited for that, like Look Away from Feral Roots. Um, are you talking about the acoustic guitar or the, the double neck? The double neck, the 12-string, 6-string. Oh, I've ha I actually had that guitar made. It's a beautiful cower guitar. 
yeah. that I had made That's for Feral Roots. And I, I, when we played Look Away, I, I have a, uh, I don't have it out with me right now, but I have a 74 uh, ES1275 Gibson that I use on that song. I don't have the guitar with me. I won't play it tonight, but I'm going to play a lot of other great songs, and I'm going to break that guitar out, and I'm going to break another double neck out that I just had built for uh, the Dark Fighter record. Another one. An- another one. So um, I hope you and your daughter have a great time, man. All right, Scott, we'll see you at the show. Drive safe to uh, Vegas and look forward to seeing you, man. Yeah, we're, par- we're, we're parked right now. We're not speeding down the highway, so. Oh, all right. You're good. <laughs> See you guys in a bit. See you, Scott. Thanks. Uh, Let's go to Southern California. Here is John checking in. Hey, John, you're on the air. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How you doing? Fantastic. uh, Longtime fan and uh, longtime friend of one of your earliest supporters, uh, Joey G, who unfortunately left us a couple years back. Uh, Oh, yeah, man. Hey, and we're yeah. trying to uh, get you guys for some shows in uh, maybe uh, Inland Empire, Orange County, and maybe back in Hawaii. Uh, so any help you guys can provide for independence, really difficult going up against the corporations and the casinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So in Inland Empire, you may owe us a show since a lot of people may have bought tickets for tonight. On the, the yam of a show. I know. I already I talked know. about just that. talked about that actually, right? Yeah. People think you're playing tonight somewhere you're not. And you know, we we're so sorry about that. A lot of people bought tickets, you know, and they're going to get a good show. They're it's a Smashing Pumpkins yeah. show, but it's you're a, not on it. Yeah. And who is on it? Is STP, STP. on it? Yeah, That's right. STP. Yeah, there was some. It was kind of just confusing how they uh, how they put icons on the show or on the names yeah, of the bands was- for what who's. Yeah, uh, so we it can be let's say we owe you guys a show. We want to come out there. We love we love our people in the nine oh nine. We'll get out there. No, we hey, definitely. Jay, is owe there you guys any a truth show. that uh, you played with the Baron Von Tito back in the day? No, I don't no? think so. Von Tito, no, yeah, no. Travis Barker. No, 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 no. I mean, I went to school with Travis when we were kids. Yeah, but no, we, you know, I was never part of that. You, you know, he okay. <laughs> he, yeah, he went and it, did his thing, and uh, I like that rumor though. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, thank you, John, for the call. Yeah, I mean, we could float some rumors out there, That'd get a little nice. buzz going. Yeah. Hey, you know what I want to ask you real quick? I talked to to um, Jay about this last time he called into my show, but I never asked you about this, Scott. Um, and I joked about this because I said, if these guys are getting paid every time this song, this commercial plays, they're buying beers next time I see them. <laughs> the Chevy commercial. Chevy commercial with the song Pressure and Time everywhere, like for a year or whatever. Yeah. How did you feel about that, man? Hearing that riff, just a Super Bowl, every like every minute. It was everywhere. It's- I think it's great. I think it's fun. Uh, it's a little weird. I, I figured after the first uh, uh you know, after the first couple of weeks watching like f- football season, last football season, it was on so much yeah. that it was like everybody was like, yeah, my band, this is killer. Love hearing you guys. And tons of people hit me up about it. And then probably two weeks after that, they're like, Jesus, man, <laughs> I'm sick of this shit, <laughs> you know, but um, it's it's nice. It's a good campaign. They don't pay us every time. Sorry, you're still you're still uh, buying the, uh, shit. the I, thought I don't you, have beers, but well, you don't have beers anymore. But Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> you're know. still buying Eddie. Right. But um, 
It's a cool spot. It's funny. We we uh, did a, a deal with them up for Canada, too. So during football season, while it was in the U.S., all my friends, you know, Dean, Dean from Stone Temple even just hit me up while we were at home. And he goes, dude, every commercial break. It sounds amazing. I love it. And then we did this deal up in Canada with him. And uh, I'm friends with Randy Bachman. And Randy did the same thing. Oh, buddy. Hockey, every commercial. <laughs> Sorry, he doesn't really talk like that. I just wanted to give him the Canada voice. <laughs> they came to you, right, and asked you for to use that song? Yeah, or that's somebody what it pitch it to them, or they came to you? Because, I mean, that's great placement. The thing that would have been cool is I saw the Struts had a song in a car commercial similar, right? Yeah. A couple a year or two ago, and I was talking to Luke about this. Yeah. But the, they managed to get, when there's a shot of the radio in the car, it said the struts. We didn't get the chi- it's called a Chiron, I guess they call it maybe. But they or actually positioned it so like the display on the car That's and the cool. thing. But yeah, it would be great if you could get the Chiron. I mean, I'm sure people like Shazam did or whatever if they didn't know it was you guys. People people did, and that is wild. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right, so how'd you find out? Oh, the Chevy commercial. Wow. Our deal came in really hot and fast. Like it was real quick actually. Yeah. We we approved it reasonably quick and we tried to get that, but um I think it was already already done. The commercial was already they couldn't throw that on there. Would you say now, because of that commercial, that that song, the song Pressure in Time from the album of the same name, do you feel like that's your biggest song right now? In your in your catalog? No. No? I don't think so. I think it's 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 spiked for sure, yeah. definitely. But even now, it's it slows down a little bit. I think probably the biggest song in the catalog is is probably still "Do Your Worst." Yeah, I, think. I don't know. When I saw you guys a few years ago, on, and it was uh, Easter Sunday in Brooklyn, yeah. if you remember, yeah, at yeah. the Steel yeah, Steel House. Only time I was ever at that, like that venue. Yeah. yeah, but I remember um, I was amazed at the response to "Keep on Swinging" when yeah. you played it there. Mm. That was like crazy. I remember you saying that. I was like, wow. I think it was your last song. I was like, that's a just, good closer. Yeah. You know what we we say, and going back into our conversation about the set list and pulling random songs, this band is interesting in the way that uh, we have songs that people know. We've had some number ones. We have gra- Grammy nominations and all this stuff. But this band doesn't have a song that's gotten so eclipsingly big that we can pull back. There's songs throughout all of our career through on every record that you don't know that might've could have been that, you know what I mean? So like keep on swing is one of those songs. We made a video, but we were on an indie label that didn't get the push that some songs would be like we play with stone temple pilots right now or smashing pumpkins. They have to play some of these songs. If right. you don't hear plush, uh, uh, interstate love song, if you don't hear these songs, you're like, Oh man, how could they not do it? And if you're getting deep cuts in that, you kind of have to get those super hits with us. We're able to dig deep in there, and, and people kind of just appreciate our band for being rival It's sons. funny. We regularly don't play. <laughs> uh, keep you didn't on, play keep, keep on, on swinging, swinging in New York. Or, or we regularly we won't, didn't play, won't play Pressure in Time or even Do Your Worst. You know, we just... <laughs> We don't, we're not beholden to that sort of thing no, because think, we haven't gotten that big. But I on think that as a fan, song. I think that's great because I never cool. know what I'm going to go into. Yeah. Like, uh, when's the last time you did Fade Out? I love Fade Out. A long time. We haven't done long, that in a minute. 
We haven't like done long it. We, we probably time. haven't done it since uh, Hollow Bones was maybe current. Tonight's the night. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Could you work that up like that? Oh, uh, I'm working with the new rig. I have to put it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a few hours, Scott. I'll, I'll be looking for it. Tonight. We absolutely could. <laughs> well, listen, I, I appreciate the hell out of you guys coming by. Um, we got like two minutes left before we got to end. Anything you want to mention or talk about? Uh, we now just revealed a week from today mm. the name of the first single from the next sequel, maybe not sequel. To yeah, this is our first time talking about it. Too. Yeah, so you heard uh, it here. So. Uh, <laughs> Lightbringer is the actual release date of the full record is October 20th. Yeah. Right. October yeah. 20. And the first single a week from today, it called again, revealed exclusively. Sweet life. Sweet life. Sweet life. So can't wait for that. It's uh, it's cool because I'm, I'm Jay, your idea kind of worked because I'm so all in on every track on Dark Fighter. And now I'm ready for another serving. You know, I'm like, I'm good. So that's I like the strategy. It's working. Got to go Very get a, go get another plate and hit the buffet. All yeah, I'm yeah. saying is, track one, Lightbringer, buckle up, dude. Well, thanks to Scott and Jay for joining me there. That was awesome. The show that night that I saw was phenomenal. And also, just to let you know, Sweet Life, the new song from the coming new album, Lightbringer, is now out. That interview took place live on the radio a couple months, a couple weeks ago, rather. And uh, they said it was coming out the following Friday, and they didn't lie because it's out there right now. So check out the first offering from the sequel to Rival Sun's Dark Fighter album. You just heard the guys talk all about it. Can't wait for that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. 
All right, let's get to a second interview for you this week. It is with Aaron Jones. This is great. His new album is fantastic. It's out there now called Chronicles of the Kid. Aaron is a great new young rock artist you should absolutely keep an eye open for. Uh, let's uh, let you hear from him right now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. How are you, bud? Eddie, what's going on, man? I'm doing uh, quite wonderful, quite well indeed, sir. Good to talk to you, man. Congrats on the new album. It's killer. Uh, thank you, man. Yeah, I, I um, didn't know what to expect. You know, I never know what to expect when I drop an album, so it's always an anxious time. And I'm always relieved when uh, I find an audience that can uh, really accept and uh, be into what I'm doing, you know. So it's been a, an exciting time right now for me as I'm getting ready to head back out on tour. So for people that don't, you've been on with me before, and I've been talking about you a lot because I love what you do. And I, I, uh, you know, I remember when I had you on the very first time for the, the previous record, uh, yeah. we talked a little bit about that. And I guess if I have this right, that first, that previous record was really kind of like uh, put together from a bunch of different things, like some stuff you had previously recorded or maybe even released, and then maybe some newer things. Do I have that right? Was Child of the State kind of like... I know it was your first major label record, but it was kind of pieced together from different things in your past up to that point. Yeah. Cause I was, uh, so I had two indie records up to that point. And um, in order for me to get signed and like see myself, or I wanted to see myself, I went back into my old catalog and I re-recorded a bunch of songs that I thought would fit uh, the bill, you know? So I went back and I grabbed four or five songs as a suggestion of management and, uh, and re-recorded and, you know, did the lyrics and rearranged and did some songs over, uh, and they took that to the label who loved it. That's kind of what, what set off the label deal for me. Uh, and this this new record is actually, um, it's pretty much all new songs. It's put maybe one song that, that comes from an older record that I re-recorded, but this is all, all brand new stuff that we're putting on this new record. That's what I was going to ask you about. So th that that's a kind of a different thing where a couple things really on that. For For all intents and purposes, people like myself and many others, viewed the previous record as your debut and view this record as your, your second record. And there's that old adage where you've got your entire life and all this bank of material to make your first record. And then all of a sudden, okay, the first record does what it does, sets the precedent, introduces you to people. And then there's that pressure of like, Oh shit, I got to write a whole new record now. And I don't have that yeah. backlog of material. How did that work for you? How'd you feel about it? Well, I felt pretty good. You know, the the thing I with that, you know, that old adage, man, I, I knew that going into releasing my first record that it was going to, it was going to be pressure if I didn't start working on it right away. So, you know, truth be told, a lot of people don't know this, but I, I started working on my second record uh, right like the day or two after that my first record came out. And, uh, and so I started working on that right away because I knew that I wasn't going to have time with my touring schedule. I was gone I mean, probably 85% of the year on the last two years uh, and my touring schedule, I wasn't gonna have time to get in the studio and do all that. So uh, I knew right away I had to get started and that's kind of what I did. I toured the world. And then whenever I came home, I'd, I'd spent a couple weeks home with the fam uh, and then head out to Nashville to go record, man. So I, I spent a lot of time away just recording and touring. That's it, man. Yeah. So the material that, that you, you knew this was coming down the pike. So that afforded you a lot more time than being under pressure. Did, did you write, a lot while you were on the road for the first record are you a guy that writes on the road or do you mainly have to like set that aside and just focus in on writing and you can't do it while you're playing live i know there's people have different feelings about that where they do stuff anywhere anytime and others like no i gotta just lock away and write how's your process work with that 
Yeah, I had to. I have to like lock myself away and write. Like I'm not really on the road. Like I come up with ideas and things like that. But with the way that I, I've, I've had to tour, um, which is like a very little rest, a lot of movement. Uh, you're like in a different place every night, and you know we don't have a bus. I mean, we have a, we have a sprinter van that we use to go cross country, but it's hotel rooms and it's, you know, it's a lot of movement. It's rigorous, you know? And so uh, typically I try to like take myself and lock myself away with uh, by either for myself or with songwriters to get the, the next record going. And so uh, I teamed up with uh, Marty Fredrickson and Scott Stevens, two producers for this record uh, who helped me write uh, a bunch of these songs along with a little writer that they called, called the four horsemen who uh, actually have a lot of familiar tunes on the radio. They've worked with people like Hellstorm and Dorothy and Shinedown and, and so I work with those cats, and they, they helped me uh, put together this, this record and really brought out my personality in the songs, um, which is kind of a first for me working with people, is that having somebody kind of observe you from the outside looking in and say, hey, I think this this will fit your bill, you know, fit fit what you do. Yeah, well, it's it, it really picks up where the other record left, le- leaves off, man, and I just... I think it's killer. I mean, I, I, I love what I love what you did. I love it as a follow up. And uh, having seen you live now, I saw you live at Rocklahoma. I guess it was last year. I think it was the first time we actually met and I saw you play because I host that every year. And I was glad to see you're back on it again this year. And I, I know you've got a bunch of dates coming up in America. But before we talk about that, you just um, you're, as you know, your manager's a good buddy of mine, Michael. And he was telling me that. I guess you played, uh, you were outside of the country, right? You're playing where in Europe recently? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been all over So tell Europe, me about Europe, that. UK. Yeah, uh, you know, when, when my first record dropped, I mean, it, it kind of caught fire pretty quick, um, as well as being talked about in some of mainstream America. I really hit in France right away. And that first show we did in France kind of set a bomb. And uh, since then, um, you know, I've been asked to open for the Stones in Paris and you know, I've been on, on mainstream television there, and I'm, I'm kind of seeing more of a pop artist in France, and, and we're starting to pick up more. I went number one in Germany off that first record as well. Um, and so, you know, I, um, I've i taken the time to keep going back and hitting that market because I know I know how important it is. And, you know, they, they say something in, in the industry. It's like, you know, you, in America, we're kind of here today, gone tomorrow. But in Europe, if you can get fans in Europe, you'll have fans for a lifetime, and they're always going to be there and show up at your shows no matter where you are in the world, you know. And so we we found it was really important for us to get out there to Europe uh, and make sure that those fans uh, heard heard about us and it just it's been taken off. So I, I spend about half a year in Europe typically if I'm touring, you know. Yeah, that's always amazing to me because there are bands, a lot of them are friends of mine that tell me like they're way like they're American bands, but they're way bigger in Europe. Whether it's the Alter Bridge guys or Rival Sons or uh, Blackstone Cherry or, or some of these guys that like do arenas in Europe. And yeah. uh, it seems, it seems like the, that in certain European markets, like straight up hard rock or even uh, blues flavored hard rock really tends to, to connect a little bit more quickly there than it does here. I, I guess you kind of uh, experience that yourself in a good way. Yeah, I, I think uh, the the difference between the American market and the and the European market, I think, is that you know Americans are really we're really Instagram, and like we, we if we want something, we're used to getting it our way and getting it kind of right now, you know. And so uh, I think that that creates a certain demand for music, and our attention spans aren't as long because we just there's so much going on around us, you know. Whereas the Europeans are really good at taking time to back away from everything, you know, like with things like siestas and. And, uh, and and holidays and things like that. So I think the European market just takes a little more time to step back. And a, a big a big part of it too is that like in America we have a lot more separation between you know 
genres in the mainstream, right? Where, where you know, someone like Billie Eilish could be maybe heard on, on the pop on the pop radio, and she could maybe be heard on you know alternative radio. But you're probably not going to hear her on hard rock radio. You know, you're not going to hear her on on like octane. Right. You know, uh, right. whereas like in in Europe, it's not quite like that, right? So a rock artist could be hard rock, but still be heard on mainstream radio there. So it's just a little different, man. We have a little different flavor. And did you actually open a show for the Stones recently? Have you done that already, or is that coming up? No, yeah. So I, I, uh, I've opened for the Stones twice now. Uh, right after my first record dropped, they they had us come open for them in Detroit, and then the, the following six months later, they uh, they called me up by name to come open for them in in, uh, in Paris in front of like sixty thousand people right there. So it's dude, uh, what it's was that learning, like, man? It's crazy. What crazy. was that like? Uh, what is that like? You know, like the thing about the thing about when you when you start playing these big shows like that, like th- your thought is not how crazy this is. It's like it's like making sure everything is going to flow and flow correctly for you. That there's no problems in the show because it's a big opportunity. You have one chance. I mean, I, I think about uh, a band like like Greta Van Fleet, who's an awesome band, but everyone everyone kind of recalls the, the, a bit of the cringe that happened when they played SNL. You know, so you don't want to think too hard about the moment so much. You want to think about like how how you're going to show up and make sure that you, you represent yourself the best. You know what I mean? So it was just insanity though. I mean, I, I never forget uh, looking out and seeing just a sea of people, 60,000 people all the way back, you know, and uh, Scott Borchetta showed up, my management showed up. It was a big deal, man. So it was, a, it was a really amazing show. And it kind of, um, and for me, having already started something going on in Paris and in France, it just kind of, it boosted me up 10 times from that point. And, you know, so now like I consider myself a, a, a remote citizen of France as I, as I, as I do America, you know, yeah, well, I I know that. Yeah, and there's some like Lenny Kravitz uh, has a place over there. I know he's he actually is a huge. I mean, Lenny does well everywhere, but I talked to Lenny. I know he he's. I think he lives there actually, uh, maybe even part time because they really embraced him early on as well. So it's just interesting yeah. how you see you know, these certain pockets, like where certain artists do so much better than others. I got to ask you, did you get to meet the stones? I mean, I've talked to other bands who have done that and they've told me that you kind of get like an appointment, like, like there's like a five minute thing where they'll walk in and say, hello. Did you get a chance to actually meet Mick or Keith or any of the guys? Yeah. So the, because uh, it was, they had just gotten over COVID in Paris. Uh, and COVID was still pretty pretty rampant by the time we opened for them in Detroit. Uh, we didn't really get an appointment, but I did get a chance to talk to Mick briefly uh, as we were switching off uh, for our sound check uh, in Detroit. And he took the time. He, he actually walked past me, and then he took the time to stop, turn around, and like came back to, to chat with me for a good few minutes, man. And I'll, I'll never forget just the, the kindness of his heart and how humble of, of a person he is. He's kind of a shy person, too. You know, you, you don't really think of someone at that, at that magnitude to be a, a shy or, or, you know, timid personality, but that's kind of my experience with him. But he's just the nicest person. He knew my music. It wasn't excited to have me on. And the only other experience I have is kind of through the production manager who told me that, you know, one of the reasons that we were on that show in Paris is because Keith loved what we did so much, you know? And so, you know, it was, I mean, to get into their good graces early on, I mean, I, I don't know, man, it's just, it's been quite the ride, you know, and I'm right now I'm at this point where I'm just trying to bring people into, you know, what I'm doing, um, through other means because we live in this era where the music may not just be enough, you know, so you have to be more visual and social media wise. So, I mean, I've done all these big, huge things and I'm doing big, huge things, but now I'm trying to like bring people into the story because it happened so quick. I'm going to catch people up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, so going back to the record for a second, um, want to ask you about a couple tracks 
that are among my favorites. If you give me a little something about their origins. And I was also curious, you said there's one on here that was, uh, was one that was a little bit older that wasn't newly written. So I was wondering what that one is, but one of my favorites on here is live is living for the fall. Um, that one's a really cool vibe. What's the history of that track? Man, you know, that, that track was actually originally one that I was planning on taking to the label. We had done a demo of it a while back, uh, and it didn't quite make the cut on that first record. But then, you know, uh, when we were looking up the songs to put on the second record, that one was like kind of top of the list because of the vibe on it. And, you know, my, my thing uh, after working with Bear Martin out of Screaming Trees and a, a number of, of Seattle sounds like like some mix lot and having worked with, uh, you know, these people that have, have taught me how to sound like I'm from Seattle, um, that was the one that I'd sell through the most, which was, you know, I took the, uh, I took the melody from that Pearl Jam melody. And, uh, I kind of yeah. on that and wrote a song, I wrote a song from it, uh, called it for the fall, because at the time when I was writing this song, man, you know, I'm, I'm trying desperately to get signed because at this point, like my indie career is pretty much uh, at a full stop. Uh, the, my management had the idea of, uh, wanting me to to rebrand and re-release and do all these things. So for about two years, my records were pulled off the shelves. There was no there was no history, no nothing about who I was as an artist. And it was a desperate time for me. So I remember just like thinking to myself that like, you know, everything I do is is to live for like like I'm jumping off a cliff at all times. You know, like I'm always looking at this cliff and saying I need to jump. And so that's what Living for the Fall is about, man. And and uh, there's actually a backstory that goes into that too about. You know, there's a there's a character that if you listen to these records, the character that lives throughout these records, and uh, and it's about also about reincarnation and, and a bunch of other spiritual things that uh, I tend to to think about and contemplate too. You know, so living for the fall really embodies a bunch of different things at once. So does other side tie into that theme too? I would think. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think other side is more. You know, we're in a fast forward up to to more modern times and and more present times for me. I think other side really is it kind of lends towards that, but it's 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 more about you know, there are things that happen in this industry, as you know, you've been around it long enough. Uh, and uh, you just kind of, you live in these moments and it may not be the healthiest thing for you to, to do in, in the long term of things, but you do it because you only have this one chance on earth to be and live. And so that's what other side's about is just taking that moment to just live, man, to like make some, some mistakes, get in some good trouble and like just live the best day you ever had in your life. Even if, if it means that you're going to have to pay for it you know, a little later on down the road, like this is the time for us to do it. You know, like life is too short for us to, to sit there and contemplate what if, you know? So I just, that's what other side of it is about. And there's a really cool track called filthy where they say they call you filthy. Yeah. Is that, uh, is that a true story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a so listen man, that that song right there is actually if you if you're from Seattle, like born and raised in this town and you've been here for a while, like that's like a, a real thing we say out here, almost like the East Coast. It's akin to saying like wicked on the East Coast, you know, we say we actually say filthy and it means filthy means the best of the best, you know, it means the the top of of the tier, you know. Uh and uh, and so yeah, that's a real true story, man. They do call me filthy out here. They say that about all the things, you know. They say that person's filthy. This is filthy. That's filthy. It's a it's a real thing. My kid, even my, my four year old, is always like, "Oh, dad, that's filthy." I'm like, "I know, dude." <laughs> I, know, <right? laughs> I never heard that. I never heard that one. And I never heard wick. Like I'm from New Jersey. I ne- East Coast. Yeah. We never said wicked. I think wicked is more of like. Well, maybe that's like a Boston thing. I think maybe that's Boston more yeah. like Boston. Yeah, that's wicked cool or whatever. But yeah, so I didn't was wondering yeah. about that. And then the the record just comes out and, and kicks with those opening tracks with Straw Man opening it and Blood in the Water. I mean, just sets the table and just top to bottom, man, another killer record. I'm really, really uh, you, man. psyched for you. And it's great to see you take another 
big step here as far as just people getting more people out there getting to know who you are and what you do. And having seen you play live last year, man, I I'm all about people just like real live going for it. And man, this stuff really comes alive on, on stage for you. And I know you've got a bunch of dates coming up. Are these headline shows out, outside of the festival stuff? Is it a headline tour? No, it's not a headline tour. I'm actually, uh, so I'm on a, I'm on a, uh, uh, it's a, it's a broken down called, the, it's called the Bare Bones Tour. And I'm opening for Chris Daughtry uh, for about two months here to the, uh, the end of September. And then back over to, to Paris to do a couple of headline shows. Um, but yeah, it's, we're going to be doing ma- mainly just, uh, you know, bigger, bigger rooms. And then uh, there's a couple of festivals I'm stopping off at Aftershock. I'm doing, uh, Rocklahoma. Uh, and, uh, I think there's probably one other in there and then playing Vegas. So, you know, we're, we're really just kind of be, it's, it's me gearing up for next year, really. You know, I mean, like as, as I'm doing all these like broken down tours, it gives me time to really start to focus on the headline shows that we're focusing on trying to get next year. So, you know, as we are, you know, right now I'm sitting at number six or so on the, on the, on the, the media base and billboard rock charts. And, and so as we keep pushing this single up and, and hopefully, you know, we can get ourselves up to the top five, if not number one, as, as we're getting all this together, I'm working on just trying to make sure that this, the, the next stage of my show is, is, is even more epic than it was before. You know, I, it's, I just saw Chris Daughtry and his band. Uh, I'm in Vegas. So I have a second home and I just saw them play, on Saturday, I just talked to all of them and I just was at their show and they told me they had a run coming up. I didn't know you were on it. That's awesome because I think you'll be great with that audience. I'm, I'm curious. They were telling me that their thing that they're going to do, most of the dates are going to be kind of like uh, semi like acoustic. Are you playing full electric? No, no, no. We're, I'm coming down with it's just being me and my guitar player. We're going to do mostly broken down sets, except when we fly out to, to do uh, the the bigger shows at the festivals. Uh, then, then we're going to be doing a bigger, bigger, bigger band shows, and so, yeah. But it's going to be pr- pretty much broken down, which is pretty cool because you know, for me, I think uh, if you see me live and you, you see me with the band, it can kind of be hard to tell tell what, where I come in versus my guitar player. Like, there's a lot going on. So, um, these are my favorite because you really get to see the artist, you know. And so I get to show my my true to form raw artistry to people on this tour, which I think is going to be really really helpful and in, in, in going into next year. And I noticed that you've got something uh, in Vegas uh, called, I think, SEMA Fest or something like that. Yeah, SEMA Fest. Right. Is that a full electric show? That's November. Absolutely. That's a full-on electric show for sure. Any, anytime you see me at these bigger shows, it's, it's look likely going to be a, an electric show. I hope, unless unless we're real broke, and then maybe not. But <laughs> I got you, man. I know it's you know carrying gear and a full band. I get it totally. Uh, everybody can find out where Aaron is playing. Go to aaronjonesmusic.com is the website, and there's a whole bunch of dates that kick off. Um, actually, kicking off on Wednesday is the first one in Carmel, Indiana. So it sounds like the dates with Daughtry, like like Daughtry's doing, kind of stripped down a little bit. But then the full on electric stuff will be happening at, at the festivals and some of the bigger uh, bigger gigs. And what's the single that you're working right now? Is it My America? Uh, Blood in the Water is the single we're working right now. Currently sits at the uh, in top ten on the Billboard Rock Charts and, and Media Base at the moment. Cool, man. Well, listen, always great to catch up with you. I'll see you in. Uh, Hot and sweaty Oklahoma. I remember last year we were sitting yeah. there on that back ramp, and we were all yeah. trying to get some air. <laughs> well, that was, it's that crazy. Was I mean, that, that was when we that was that that was that first year we left. Man, I'll never forget how hot that was. That was our, our first real big festival too. That was the first week we were out. We were like, oh my god, <laughs> it was so hot. It was ridiculous. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. That was it is two years ago. So this is uh, that, yeah. man, time's flying. It's hard to hard to keep up. You know, when I saw Daughtry the other night, he played outside here in Vegas, and they didn't get on for an yeah. hour and a half because the console went down from the heat. Oh so. That's it's definitely you, you got to be careful out there in some of these spots where they do outdoor shows and yeah, be well hydrated, man. Because and I know you're banned and you you don't just stand there. You you guys bring it when you play, so you got to uh, definitely be prepared for it. Yeah, I mean definitely. You know we're we're and we're we're you know we're gonna put it all out there. I mean we've been, I mean even since that that first day we left on tour, man, it's it's always been a grind. You know we don't we don't have a huge package that we tour with. When we get up there, we don't have any tracks or anything like that. We plug in, and what you what you see is what you get. Sometimes it doesn't always work out, but you know, most of the time it, it ends up being a special thing for the for the people to see. You know, so we're gonna keep grinding it out no matter what. Well, God bless you for that. Thank you for keeping it real and keeping it live because that's the only way rock and roll should be, in my opinion. And I give nothing but props to the artists that do that. So thank you for that as a rock fan. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate you, man. Hey, man, listen, uh, safe travels out there. If I don't catch you sooner, I'll see you in Oklahoma. And uh, keep kicking ass, man. Everybody pick up Aaron's new album, Chronicle of the Kid. Uh, Chronicles of the Kid, it's out now. Looks like there's a nice vinyl version of it as well, right? You got like a colored vinyl and the notebook and all that. Uh, I've got yes, the sir. CD. It's it's killer, man. So however you want to grab it and uh, go see Aaron do his thing, it's it's smoking. AaronJonesMusic.com and... As you mentioned, uh, some singles and videos out there right now to check out as well. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take care, all right? All right, brother. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate you, man. Talk soon. Thank you to Aaron Jones. Great to check in with him. Check out his new album, Chronicles of the Kid, that is out now. The first album, Child of the State, which is also, of course, out now, is also fantastic. Definitely a great young rock artist to keep an eye open for. And of course, we started off with Scott and Jay of Rival Sons in studio and uh, appreciate those guys taking the time out on a show day to come by my Vegas place and hang out with me in studio and live on the air. Again, everything you just heard originated on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation. Join me Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, live on Faction Talk 103 or anytime on the Sirius XM app either live or on demand. There's a bunch of audio and video archive there as well for you to check out anytime. And again, if you're not a SiriusXM subscriber, come on board. All you got to do is go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. You get a free three-month trial and you can listen to uh, the show live or on demand and find out what you're missing. No credit card required. Be sure to sign up. All right, we'll see you guys. Uh, have a fantastic If you're in the U.S., have a fantastic Labor Day weekend coming up. Nice long weekend for most people. Uh, If you happen to be attending Rocklahoma this weekend, I will be hosting it once again. So I'll see you out there in hot and sweaty prior Oklahoma all three days. And uh, back here for another podcast next Thursday. Have a great, great holiday weekend again if you're in the U.S. And everybody else, again, I'll catch you on uh, next Thursday for another Eddie Trunk podcast. Take care. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
are true. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.